Jy gaan nie so met ons hanteer nie, because it's not working. It's not working. It's not working that you can get up and disrupt the parliament and niemand sê, wat hoe jou, Madam Speaker, point of order. Nee, not with the UIM. As jy jou nie gedra in my huisie, dan gooi ek jou uit. Sorry. If I don't come over that you like me, if that is a bit who, so be it. I've got voters that like that. I'm not promoting violence. I am promoting order. Hey everyone, I'm doing something new today. I'm in between traveling, but I think my new setup is actually going to be much more interesting and much more conversational, much more personal. I've got, well, obviously you're watching the number one media company, Worldview, where we explore everyone's perspectives on all things that can broaden our worldview. Today, we have with us Neil De Beer. Neil, do you still want to move Julius Malema or... You want to block someone? Which which one? Which one would you prefer to do to Julius Malema? I I want to bring him to justice. And I think a lot of people misunderstand my passion. I know him. It's obvious. I know him from the days of the ANC. I know personally. him personally. I know him oh, personally. Wow. I've met him various times. I've met him at Winnie's 80th. We shared a room and a and a birthday there. I met him. In Parliament, when I used to be there in government, I am not uh, not familiar with him, and I think that is why it's frustrating knowing the man's intellect because he's not stupid. And when he goes and stands on stages and says stupid things, it's actually a frustration, and I don't like and appreciate that because I don't think, or maybe I do know. He knows the impact he has dealing with people that are uneducated. Okay, but the former introduction, Neil De Beer is the president of the United Independent Movement. He's also a former banker, so he's quite the experience. Neil, I want to touch on first your experience in MK and on Kunta with Seasway. I think that's you have a fascinating history. Can you tell us about that? How did you join um, MK and what was your experience in that life? So luckily, I don't have to do a lot of promotion. My, my brother, who was a brother to me, Brad Stein, two years ago released a book, which was the bestseller for one year in a row, an exclusive book called Undercover with Mandela Spies. And in this book, it really, for the first time, revealed to many of my best friends, even my family, my role as an intelligence agent for MK. But like every normal white South African in 1986-87, I went to the army after school. Directly from school, I went to army. I did my basics at a place called Heidelberg in the Transvaal, three months. You grew up in Stellenbosch? I was born in Stellenbosch. Ek is a boerkeek, so uh, ek moes op eindelike plaas boer geraak het, daarby Leindorf in Stellenbosch maak het, nooit daar uitgekom in die army was te lekker. And the story is, I did two years at National Service. I ended up at Four Recce in Langebaan, 
vier verkeringsregiment. I was in communications and intelligence there, supporting the operators in their, in their work. I did most of the operations, Hooper, Packer, and Modular, which was in Angola. And when I finished, I was then recruited to join the then uh, uh, security police in 1988-89. I then served in the security police as an agent. And in that period of time, being an agent for the security police in the apartheid government for more than nine months, I was then approached by the ANC and told the other side. Mm. The side we uh, never how knew. How were you approached? Well, I was approached by a then grouping, funny enough today, a gentleman, a gentleman called General Andre Lincoln, who was then an MK operative. He retired last year as a major general in the police. As you know, he was uh, the head of the anti-gang unit of South Africa. And another gentleman called General Jeremy Vieri, who also retired last year as the head of crime intelligence, but they were MK commanders and they recruited myself and my then uh, brother, my colleague, my friend, Brad Stein uh, into MK in 1989 and that's how it happened and you know i didn't walk over i didn't change sides i faced the reality that the undeniable fact is that mandela and the anc would take over in 94 that was undisputed hmm. and at that stage the national party government and i say this and i say it without regret surrendered and sold out their own people and I always say, except for those sellouts, there was one person that never sold out. And I don't know if people will ever know that, but from an from a opposition position, I can tell you, Constant Falun, General Falun, Constant, was one of the few that never surrendered. He stuck to his guns and I respected him for that. And that was my life entry. But, uh, why, why, don't, why don't you join the Freights from Plus? That's the Constant Williams party. Because unfortunately, it's just mouth. You know, the, the, the Freedom Front Plus Miners have served in that parliament for more than two and a half decades. And let's now be honest. What have they achieved to stop this new cabal from doing? What have they done? You know, I asked a question the other day, have you ever been thrown out of parliament? So they looked at me and they said to me, no, we're too disciplined. That's your problem. That's your problem. We are not dealing with a public enemy anymore that absolutely respects our manners. They rape, they steal, they commit crime, they break parliament to pieces, they fight. We must sit and look at this wrong guy, wrong party, wrong time i am not that so my politics against their politics all the opposition politics i'm sorry they've had their time and it's time for new blood and neil um just to go back to your role in mk have you ever read aaron's roots book uh, kill the boer no I, I have not and in the, the, the book and uh, there's many other people that also made these allegations 
there were torture camps orchestrated by the ANC to torture people that were dissidents. People who turned against the ANC and these torture camps were operated in Mozambique, um, outside of South Africa. Did this happen? Were there torture camps? You, you mean the opposite of Flakplas? Yeah, yeah, basically. Oh. I don't know if Aaron's Roost was there. I, I don't know where Aaron's Roost serves in the military or in the police or intelligence. I, I, I leave it at that statement. Okay. And okay, so fast forwarding to, okay, you, you became a banker. Wait, wait, so, sorry. I want to go back there because now people are going to say I dodged the question. Go ahead. I was not in those camps. I don't know. I, I, I heard of it. It's public knowledge about the discussions about the Angolan camps, the camps in Zambia, etc. I cannot testify that I saw it or that I carry knowledge. If I did, I would tell you, you know me. I would say, yes, it did happen. I, I cannot. But, I cannot. Control. But as an intelligence officer, wouldn't you have known about this if they were true? Yes, yeah, I would have. I would have. But, you know, the truth and an opinion is two diverse things, but could be sold as the same thing. I think atrocities, no doubt, happened everywhere. I think even in the old SANDF camps, there were atrocities. They were maybe not murders. They were maybe not mayhem, but in a form, there was torture, you know, running with a water bottle every third minute, two kilometers and coming back and vomiting your outside, knowing that this is a, 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 a form of physical torture happened. But... You know, at the end of the day, it's time that we move on. Hmm. It's time that we recognize both sides. No doubt, both sides were in many ways wrong. And that's a fact. But how long are we going to continue living that history? And that's the and Neil, Neil, you became a banker. Uh, how, yeah. What was that path like? How did you become a banker? Did you have some experience in banking? Did you have a degree in banking? Uh, what was that path like? No. So, so I'm a serial entrepreneur. And you, and you know, I love this question. Because it's like people have a, a theory that I worked for the ANC. They, they talk as if I was a member of the staff of the ANC and worked is absolute rubbish. I was a I was an MK operative, and after 94, sir, I was a card-carrying member of the ANC, like you carry a card of the DA. I didn't work for the ANC at all. I worked for a certain period of time as the national security advisor to the system, and also at one stage was the senior advisor to defense and intelligence to the deputy minister of defense and intelligence. For the rest of it, I wasn't here, sir. I was a ANC card-carrying member. So what happened to me was I, I was a serial entrepreneur. I went overseas for a period of time. And what people don't know is I was part of the management of the under-21 Springbok rugby team. They don't know that. Under Peter de Villiers, and might I add, we won a World Cup in 2005, sir. I was the manager. So I had a Springbok rugby career. I owned Rhino Rugby. In other words, the rugby technical equipment. I owned that company in Africa. 
So I've had a multiple, unbelievable career in my life. And then I fell in love with Africa. I then joined to then start and be the first secretary general of the OABD, the Organization for African Business Development, running 54 countries planning of the economy at that stage. And how I got that was because South Africa in the Mbeki area was massive in what they called the African Renaissance. Hmm. And the African Renaissance was spearheaded by a document and proudly South African called NEPAD, the New Economic Plan for the Development of Africa. And I implemented NEPAD in a capacity on the African continent. And from there, I then spearheaded the opportunity. That's right. Because I was a person that knew Africa and knew the politics of the liberation and knew most of the heads of the African continent, I wrote 118 articles in independent wow. new paper. I have 118 published documents on IOL. So just go Google Neil De Beer, IOL, and you will notice that I authored 118 documents on the African continent and its economy. I published it in independent media for a long time. As I traveled through the continent, I took every country's economy and was reporting and writing and dissecting. More oh, than what, what were your favorite? What were your favorite countries? What were your highlights in Africa? Oh, Mozambique, without a doubt. Mozambique, Maputo, and Pemba, and going there, and Zimbabwe. I spent a year there, going to Harare, going to Bulawayo, going to Matiri, uh, spending time there. And obviously, one of the countries I absolutely fell in love with was Madagascar, to Antananarivo, and, and spending time with the economy because it was a new economy. And um, from that, about eight years ago, I constructed a plan to start a fund semi-bank internationally called the IFA, Invest Fund Africa. I partnered with a Spanish investment group of Barcelona, and we started to invest global money through this fund registered in Mauritius, because it's an African country. I wanted my head office there and in Barcelona to attract European funding into the continent. And I can tell you, we successfully got up to 22 projects all over the continent, Ivory Coast, Lesotho, Madagascar, Malawi, and Kenya. And um, yeah, I was the chairman of that, uh, of that group for six years. Exciting. And then I came back to South Africa. I found a mess. So people say, but why did you go into politics? Well, here's the story. I came here one day back from Barcelona because I spent at one stage 176 days out of this country traveling the continent for business. That's half a year for four years. So I didn't just disappear. I didn't work for the ANC. I am an economist in my own training and ran a successful international fund, wrote articles on the economy. I am self-taught, I am self-learned, but my experience brought me there. 
And then I came back here and I found the country in disarray, totally in shambles. And ANC, I now disagreed with shockingly to myself. And that's when I did that one morning, the fateful morning two years ago, that outburst on a Facebook video to say how sad and who the moeren ek is met die, met, die, met die droom, this rainbow nation that collapsed. And I started a movement, <laughs> crazy, called the United Independent Movement. And we were never going to be a political party. I was never going to be a politician at all because I don't fit as you by now got to know me the norm of a politician, I can only make back for you. And boom, the people start saying, get into politics. Neil, Neil, sorry, before I move on to that, cancer. Um, I, I don't know if you fully told that story, what kind of cancer that you had and how serious was it? Well, November last year, uh, I found that I was not well. Uh, many signs were just showing that in my in my in my stomach and at the bottom side, I I I I, I didn't feel well, and I was repetitively bleeding. But my cancer count on my blood draws was zero, uh, and I was in denial. I thought I had an ulcer. Uh, trust me, I live under a stressed environment. I travel a lot. I was overweight. I was 130, 40 kilograms. I didn't look what I eat. I got sugar diabetes. All the normal things that happen with you when you slip your body and you stress. And the one day I went to my doctor and I said to him, uh, Dr. Van Espey, something's wrong. And he said to me, absolutely, this is not right. Um, I then went for the test, uh, CT scan, etc. cetera, uh, scope in, scope out. And they found the tumor in my bottom line colon, um, which was there. And that was the shocking news uh, that I had, that I had, uh, they call it rectal colon. Wow. Uh, 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 which is, which is a, uh, it's not normal, but it is a cancer that exists. And unfortunately, it is hereditary in my family. Uh, about four people passed away in my family of the same wow. cancer. Yeah, that's so, so that was the journey that started um, in, in November last year. And are you fine now? Are you in remission? No. So we had the March operation and everything went wrong that could go wrong. I got COVID, I got E. coli, I got infection and they had to operate me five times. And I stayed in hospital for five months. They lost me twice. ICU 97 days, lost 30 kilograms. And I must tell you at one stage, I gave up. Uh, it broke me, but I can tell you, and this is a miracle. I, I, I now know there's a God, like it or not, if you believe in that or not, it doesn't matter. I can remember, I'm not, a, I'm not a believer in hocus pocus. I come from a business where you must be evidentiary. Mm. But the only thing I can tell you is the one day while I was going, uh, he pulled me back. I feel that. 
So we got out of hospital five months later. We did a scan, uh, which I now publicly told the people about two weeks ago that we found another spot, but it's on the liver. So, so that shows that the movement of cancer is, is colon bell uh, dictated. So I have a, a spot currently on the liver, which they're detecting and saying it is, it is cancerous. But we are going back to uh, chemo. I have an unbelievable spirit and will and so many people that love and pray for me. So I'm okay. I'm fine. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's both encouraging and sad. I, I really hope you get through this. You 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 manage to win this, like you've won um, almost everything in life. Well, you know, I lied in bed and knew that this is this is bad. This isn't good. And here's a fact: I asked myself, do I go back to politics? Because I can tell you, it's not an easy game. Politics is horrific and it is a tough, tough industry. It's, 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 it's bad. It's a tough game. Backstabbing, fighting, breaking down, public attacks, the continual me standing up to justify my past, to ask for forgiveness of things I have done, which blatantly everybody knows, and to move on and fight for a country. It's not easy. And I thought to myself, I'm not going back. I will step down. I have a good team. I have a great vice president, Fatima. I've got a great secretary general. Because that's the normal choice if you are ill, if you're not well. And maybe if you don't have much time left, you want to spend it with my wife, my three kids. But you know what? I made a God's oath to the people that voted for me, that voted for us that support me and love me and put us into election that I won't leave them. Mm. So I'm back and I'm staying. And as long as I've got a God's present and people that care for us and vote for us, which there are many, I can now say tens of thousands. I won't give up. We will continue until we rectify this country's down spiral. So I can see, I can't so on that note, Neil, what is the United Independent Movement about? What does the United Independent Movement stand for? It's very easy. You know, I used to say to people across the world, Spain, Malta, Dubai, London, wherever I went and gave speeches and gave talks and promoted Africa as a continent, I used to have an overwhelming understanding that at the end of the day, you must make things that are complex, simple. So that was actually a slogan of my company at one stage, complexity simple. So you need to take a complex issue, break it down. And I did the same with the UIM's principle of its manifesto. It's not a hundred pages, it's five points. So when oh. anybody was a UIM member, they could only remember the five points. And we call it the five C's. Christ, but not only Christ, religion. The UIM believes that we need to go back to God. We need to go back to faith because we removed faith. We removed it out of the school. We removed it out of the parliament. We removed it out of our country. 
sometimes even out of our homes. So I am, I'm believing that we should bring back, we must bring back faith. Now, we are not a faith-based party. We are not the ACDB. We are a party in faith. Mm. So if you're Muslim, if you are Jewish, if you're Christian, you are, you are, you are in faith. Satanism is not a faith. So you will notice in the UIM, it disregards though the so-called religion of Satanism. There we draw the line. It's a shock that you get now churches of Satanism in municipal districts, even in Cape Town. So that's the one C. It's Christ. It's, 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 it's religion. Come back. The second one is corruption. Fight corruption. And we are doing so. We're exposing it. Wherever we can, we need to stop corruption. I don't call it corruption, though. I call it theft. Hmm. You don't commit corruption. You steal. Yeah, yeah. You're trivializing to... it by calling it corruption. Yeah. It sounds like an admin fault. Yeah, yeah. It's not. You're a thief. So hmm. corruption, fight it. The problem is that corruption has become systemic. In other words, it's now become part of the system. So what do we need to do? We have a big task. Third C, crime. Probably one of the most prolific top three contenders in this country to fight. Crime is out of control. SAPS is losing the war. Mm. No surprise though, if you look at the leader, if you look at the person leading so-called crime-fighting Becky Stulki Tafelkitsele. What a disgrace. So unfortunately, we fight crime now in communities ourselves. And we support the remaining police that stay in the light. They deserve our support. So we fight crime as one of our major priorities. The fourth one is protect the constitution. Now, let me be clear, without law and order, no society can function. You must have law. The highest law in the Republic is the Constitution. The apex court in this country is the Constitutional Court. And in my opinion, it's been trodden on. It's been disregarded and disrespected. So the UIM, as part of its five-seat policy, defends and protects the constitution. And funny enough, this latest fight with my great friend, Fricky Malema, the jelly tot, is about the constitution. You see, everybody wants to lock him up, make charges of hate speech. The UIM decided two weeks ago, no. You see, he has a oath of office as a member of parliament. And part of that oath is to uphold, protect the constitution of the Republic and he's broken it. Therefore, we wrote to the speaker to ask for a meeting and I'm demanding it because it's my right to charge him with the breaking of the oath of his office as an MP. He does not represent me. I think everybody agrees. So I'm attacking him on that line because the constitution 
is our savior. The independence of the judiciary is important. And the last C, capital, capital. Money must go to where it belongs. It does not reach the streets. It's not getting through it. It gets stopped and stolen here. So the fifth C is the regaining and the focus of distribution and prioritization of capital, tax money, GDP, import and exports. Finance treasury of this country needs to now get back to focusing on serving the public. I understand uh, how taxpayers, uh, taxpayers must feel. That's suffering, dear, and I want to fix that. So that's the five C's. Christ. Interesting. Constitution, crime, capital, constitution. Short and concise. Uh, would, you, would, you, would you throw out Man, uh, Malema in Parliament if he did um, those protests during the, what do you call it, the state of the nation? Would yeah. you personally throw out? Yeah. yeah he, I, absolutely. That's what I asked one of these members. I said, why have you never been thrown out of Parliament in 28 years? Any opposition. Why not? So I'm being told, want ons is gedisciplineerd. The hell with that. If that group and the UIM is in parliament and you pick up your water bottle and your red helmet of jou moer gaan jy kry and they can throw me out. I don't care. You can't behave like that and respect me to get up like the Freedom Front and like the DA and go point of order. Point of order sagat. If you fight me, I'll fight you and I'm ready for it. Klaar. Meek is klaar. Because this is behavior that maybe needs a bouncer. And not one party is getting up. I'm not professing that we should be ill-disciplined. Mom, because it's not working. It's not working. It's not working that you can get up and disrupt the parliament and demand say, what do you Madam Speaker, point of order. Yeah. Not with the UIM. If I don't come over that you like me, if that is a bit who, so be it. I've got voters that like that. I'm not promoting violence. I am promoting order. And sometimes you have to do. So yeah, your answer is sal fat. Absolutely. But I'll be a and do you think your members are ready for that? I mean, you're, you're obviously, you're perhaps, you're ready for that. Are your members ready for that? No, it's hard oh, yeah. oh, listen to me, my, my friend. I waited for him at Drakenfeld. I was there. You know that. I told him, I'm here. Come, Julius. Sorry, that's my problem. I was in uniform, I wasn't special, I, but I served, ne? So when he threatened Brackenfell High School, his problem is it's not just white people at that school. Not at all. When I got to that school by invite of some of the parents, I found black, colored, white parents. So it wasn't a white thing, it was a unified thing that you were attacking your school and he got found the school got found not guilty of hate speech and of that HR. So, so 
But he threatened us. Where was I? Oh, he didn't come. So I made a commitment. Where you are, we'll meet you there. He was met at Sienekal. Stood off. He was met by me at Phoenix. Stand off. So you know what? It's easy to talk about a brawl. It's easy to talk about violence, war, genocide. Nah. It's funny that we, the people that were in it, don't want it again. Sorry, we want to grow up in a country of peace. But we are not going to continually tell you. No. No. Not at the UIM. Maybe at the other parties. Not this party. Ria's own party. Interesting. And um, Neil, in the interview on Nisport, you talked about um, uh, defending crime at a local level. Um, that you uh, patrol townships, I believe, even Cape Town. Can you talk about uh, a bit about that? Sure. So, so what we decided was it doesn't just help talking about it. We are good in talking about it. Fight crime. So I decided, no, I'm going to fight it myself. And show that the community strength against crime is where it should start. You see, the police is just a pastor. You call them in, they go out. Last night, I was uh, near Kales River in a community meeting on a field. More than 100 people there to talk about safety and security, and I addressed the community as well as a counselor. And I told them it starts with you. It starts with your home. It starts with your neighbour. So we kind of forgot that, that policing is a community responsibility. You know, in the olden days, not to labour this, but in a village, a fishmonger, a butcher, a shoemaker, they used to do their job, and when the village is attacked, they drop their stuff, and they go and get their weapons, and they go stand and defend their village. There was no police. There was no army. There was people. We've kind of decided as society, the hell with that, it's the police's job. No, sir, it's not. You must walk patrol. So what I did was I started a very unique team called CRU. Community Reaction Unit. It got such great strategy and, and, and publicity. We were on carte blanche. Uh, EW News came with us on patrol. And they absolutely found an unbelievable movement that could take neighborhood watches, upgrade them. So we chose people out of neighborhood watches. And we upgraded them to training. In other words, unarmed combat armed combat, self-defense, search, suk and search, frisking, house clearance. We trained them over two years. And then we went into a community called Luanle, which is an informal settlement. And in eight months, putting 25 to 50 people on the ground trained, I financed it most of the time with my own money, nearly a million to two million rand into that charity. Bought wow. vehicles, bought bulletproofs, bought pepper spray, bought torches. Because I'm sorry to tell you, in South Africa, there are certain places where a bip, a torch, and a whistle is not going to work like the flats in Mitchell's Plain and Bellar and Delft. 
You can't fight those criminals with a torch. So we upgraded them, went on patrol, and here's a stat. In eight months in a certain area, according to police stats, we dropped the crime by 72%. 72%. And we Incredible. took a police station was, that was in the top 30 of this country for crime off the list. That's what CRU did. I spent two years every weekend out there. And are you hoping this um, snowballs to other townships and more people get involved and more people start supporting the UIM as a result? Yes. Well, well, not supporting the UIM, supporting the communities. You see, there are certain things that you cannot put into politics where you've got to get out of politics and say, forget about party politics, talk about the people. Safety and security is not a political pinball we should play. Education, health, and security. We've got to then be bigger than politics. I can, because I'm not a politician actually, but I find that the other political parties, you can see, you can actually, you can't do that. Not everything is politics when it is about your people. And I hope that the CRU scenario rolls out. You know, we used to have the commando system. Hmm. Commandos. Yeah, yeah. Every town had a commando. It was, it, was, it was shut down by the ANC, by the way. And the reasoning for that was, and I, I, you can imagine, can you imagine a country where they are about to take over, but every town has white people with guns? <laughs> they did not want that. Because remember, the commandos were under the military system and they each had an R4. So they shut it. That's the reasoning, in my opinion, they did that. Now, today, hindsight, we're regretting it. Because now, instead of a commando system, we could have had what we would call a community self-defense unit. That's the next dream for the UIM. Because it's not the white it's not the colored, it's not just the black community that are being attacked. So can you imagine if there was in every town a community self-defense unit trained together, work together that could react to informal settlement and wealthy area? Mm. That's what we are trying to put together. Wow. That's uh, it's really a big vision that you have. And um, what, what do you think of the DAs? Um, service delivery, especially in terms of policing in the Western Cape? I, I am, you know, I will tell you something because I, I, I am part of a coalition with the DA in the Johannesburg Metro. Because remember, our point is never with the ANC cabal. ANC, SACP, KUSATU, uh, EFF, we will never form a government with it. Never. Hmm. Even if we lose power. So automatically, we call it the other side, DA, ACDP, et cetera, et cetera. I know Helen personally. I have a lot of respect for her. We speak a lot. We, we, we discuss matters. She knows me. And I have respect. I also have a huge respect for our new mayor. And sometimes I must say I don't like it because he is absolutely brilliant, Jordan Hill Lewis. I tell you that. You see, 
you've got to be big enough to sometimes give credit where credit is due. You don't necessarily have to play what I call the normal DA politics of yes, no politics. Every time the ANC says yes, you must say no. Now that brings you nowhere. So if you want to know how I think about DA norm politics, their politics is where everybody says yes, they will say no. Now I'll give you a prediction. The DA in the Western Cape has done well. But you don't have to do much well. You know, this uh -huh. city has been alive since 1652. It's one of the oldest cities in our country. It works. The DA's challenge, and it will come, is for them to change Umtata. It's to go and do in Umtata, in the Eastern Cape, what they have done in Cape Town. And until uh -huh. that has not been tested and tried, the jury's out now, I'll tell you, the DA is a maximum of a 22 to 25% capped party in this country. They will not go over that percentage of votes in a national election. I'll tell you that now, and in actual fact, they self-admitted that. So there's the problem. They might be effective in Cape Town, but the future of South African politics, and you can write it down here, is coalition politics. Mm. We're struggling at the moment, though. Why? Helen Vilidilni, Herman Mashaba Vilidilni, Kaitan Vilidilni, Niemand Vilidilni, Peter Grunal, Niemand, Amal Vilidilni. And that's our problem at the moment. They're killing each other. So coalitions don't hold ground. We insult each other as coalition partners. I think, though, it will settle. We will become mature. We don't have a choice. And what's my prediction for 2024? It's not going to change, unfortunately. Really? No party in this country, realistically, as was a dream and realism, eh? Hmm. I don't see it for this election. No party has majority, undoubtedly. If you look at the DA, and my prediction is correct, it's a 23-22% cap. Herman Action SA is going to get some. Patriotic Alliance is going to get some. And then the normal suspects, ACDP, UIM, question, will we get 51? I don't think so. I think the ANC and the EFF have done the deal. And they're playing a game. So if the ANC, and hear me well, intelligence well, the ANC has only two partners it can go to if it drops below 50. The DA is one. And the EFF is the other one. Now you make up your mind which one suits them more. If the DA chooses to go in 2024 with an alliance of the ANC, they would have laughed, joked, and cheated their voters in the majority. I think they will lose mass voters. If they yeah. declare, they're joining the ANC. EFF, I will not be surprised. Would they would rather pause up 
would Ramaphosa uh, uh, form a coalition with the EFF? It seems Absolutely. like he hasn't had a good real a, a relationship with Julius Malema. Oh, they love each other. You see, it's a game. Os moet in die parlement, dan speel ons golf saterdag. So go look at videos. Look at that. I'm not telling you that. Now in the last meeting in the Sutu, with the new inauguration of the Prime Minister, they couldn't stop hugging and kissing each other on the stadium when they saw each other. At the new uh, King's inauguration of the Zulu Kingdom. Look at the, look at the way they treat each other. So I don't know. I don't fall for that trick. So I'm telling you now, don't be surprised if that is the ANC's bailout plan. Because if they go down below 50, you've got to understand that the maximum cap in my prediction of the EFF is no more than 12 to, 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 to 13%. Not at all. So now that's interesting. If they come together, they then share power in a coalition government of EFF ANC, they back over 51. Hmm. The problem is, what are they going to give to the EFF to make that deal? Interesting. Yeah, some people have proposed that Julius Palema becomes a deputy president and Ford Jivambo becomes minister of finance. Sure, and then we should bring Danny Schaber back to play for the Springboks. I mean, you know, <laughs> they're not stupid. I, I want to say this again. People think Floyd Savambu, people think that Julius, people think that these people, they think they're stupid. That's your, that's your problem. They're not stupid. They're tactical. They know what they do. It's a game they play. In the day they wear this absolutely great suit, this red thing, and if you probably flip it, it says made in China, but they march for more textiles. And then at night, Louis Vuitton. And then comes the manga and drink a whiskey from 30 years with Fanta. You have to go. No, they do. And it's, 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 a, it's this thing that we've created and people say it's racist. It's not racist. It's classist. It's classist. And what you've got to understand is that the ANC is communistic. They're communists. And the EFF are neo-socialists confusing themselves with the scribes of Che Guevara. A fakir money smarty boxy. They don't know who they actually are. So when you ask the Communist Party blazons a Monday, and you tell him communism is actually dead, and you're actually a socialist, what does he tell you? Uh, we've made the t-shirts. Your communism, think about it. Here's a fact. I know it. We are in a tri-party alliance as the ANC. With the Communist Party, not the Democrat. So quickly listen. A capitalistic democratic country cannot be run by communists. Oil and water can go into one drum, but they never mix, sir. So if you really want a bombshell here tonight, 
why the ANC NEC has not been effective running this country in 28 years by communists. And what is the main belief of a communist? Equality, all gets whatever, and decisions are not made singularly. The NEC of the ANC has 92 members, sir. And that is the Kremlin. That is where they make decisions. It is not a democratic, capitalistic decision-making process by this president. He's always referring to committees. That's the format of communism. Fascinating. Neil, um, in the debate that you participated in, the Cape Independence debate, I opened with saying that Nelson Mandela would not just be ashamed of the African National Congress, you'd be ashamed of every one of us. Do you agree with that statement? Absolutely. My media statement, as you can recall on record, when I decided to run for politics, the headline was like that. It said, this is no longer the ANC of Nelson Mandela. I can truthfully tell you today, and as God as my witness, he was an unbelievable human being. No matter his politics, he wanted reconciliation with his soul, with his heart, and what a lot of people don't know. He fought members of the ANC daily to come to reconciliation. His own members he had to fight with. The Springbok logo, mm. the 95 Rugby World Cup jersey, he was, he was attacked because of that. But he stood his ground and he said, this emblem is now seen as an apartheid emblem, a diversive emblem. But if we as the ANC want reconciliation with the white population of this country that holds this logo dear, then we will support it to be worn at such an international hmm. gathering for reconciliation. And how right was he when he walked into that stadium where, by the way, his security advised him not to. They were fighting him for going into that stadium and doing a walk. They were worried about assassination. And he told them, I will go. Ah, I will go. <laughs> he did. And I will never forget that day when he walked into the stadium, everybody, white, colored, black and Indian started saying, Nelson, Nelson. And then we knew this could work. We knew this could work. And 28 years later, it fell apart. The rainbow nation is back to black and white said. But mm. us that remember, us that actually fought for freedom and reconciliation, how sad are we today? I did mm. not remain sad. I got up to fight and I will continue to fight for that dream. And can I tell you something? Do you know what is our slogan on our national emblem? Do you know what it says? Do you know? No, no. 
So if you look at our national emblem, the previous apartheid emblem was Latin. On your coin, on your money, it used to say ex unitatum vires. Latin for tendrach mag mag. Unity is strength. That was the apartheid seals slogan. It changed in 94. So when you now look at it, at the bottom, it says X-E-X-I-X-E-X-T-X-I. Did you know it? No. No, it's Bushman. It's Khoisan. And what it says is Nobody knew that. Wow, you're a South African and you don't know the beauty of the story of and what does that mean in English? Unity and diversity. Unite and diversity. That is what means. How many people know that? How clever of Mandela that he didn't choose Zulu, he didn't choose Koza, he didn't choose Tswane, he did choose Afrikaans or English. He used the undisputed oldest form of language, the Koi and the Sun. Mm. And he wrote that as our new symbol because he knew it would be non-political. How wise were people in those days? So, so yeah, we've got beautiful stories in this country. I think I just surprised you with one. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, that's fascinating. I never knew that. And I think our, our audience would love that story. Neil, um, this has been unity, such an unity interesting... Unity diversity. Unity and diversity. We, we are diverse. Mm. We absolutely diverse. But we are unified in this republic. And that's why I said I don't want the Cape to go. I don't want Guadalupe Natal to go. Without us being South Africa, we will be at a loss. Neil, this has been such an interesting conversation. Thank you so much for your time. Is there anything you'd like to leave our audience? Um, any last words any, or a question, um, uh, answering a question that you'd hope I'd ask you? In 1994, we queued up and we went to vote to change a country for many. In 2024, we are going to vote to save a country now. From change to save. No matter who you vote for, no matter who you support, this country needs massive saving and change. So I want them to go vote. 17 million didn't. That could. The ANC has never got in its history more than 10 million votes ever. We need 11. See you in the streets. And thank you, thank you for always giving an unbiased and a huge, huge opinion for so many. So I must congratulate you guys always at Worldview for letting freedom of the press really be so. So thank you very much. Well, Neil, thank you so much for your time and that inspiring message. Um, uh, people go out and vote. I mean, I think that's really a message that South Africans need. 
And if you've liked this message, please share it as wide as possible, like our content and subscribe because you'll see more such, such content in the future. My name is Donald and you've been watching Worldview.